Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode 10 of Believe in Islanders. I am your host, David Lazar, and I am very excited to hit the double-digit mark here as we have continued this podcast throughout the whole season. And to celebrate that number 10, we have two very special guests joining us today, two Drive for Five contributors here at our website, driveforfive.blog, Jack Coble and Jacob Beekman. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, David. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be on it. It's such a great podcast, so thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, David. Thanks for having uh, me on here. It's a very big privilege to be on here to be uh, talk to you about the Islanders. Of course, guys, it is my pleasure. But unfortunately for the Islanders, we're not going to be too positive today. And that is because our Believe in Islanders motto, where we always believe in this team, it's getting tested because the Islanders are struggling. They are 5-8-2. They are playing the worst hockey under the Barry Trotz era, and things are not getting better. They have nine players currently out, whether it's with COVID-19 or whether it's with injury. They are battling the pandemic on and off the ice. Their arena was delayed after a 13-game road trip, and right now the Islanders are just in a hole, and it's not looking like things are getting better. So, Jack, Jacob, are the Islanders in trouble? Yeah. I mean, if we're being honest, they are. Two main two main contributors to this team, one on offense, one on defense. Brock Nelson's out two to four weeks with a lower body injury. Pollock is out four to six with a lower body injury. And those are two huge con- contributors. Pollock is arguably the best defender on the Islanders, and he's out. The Islanders are struggling. Their power play is 12.2%, which is 30th in the league, and their penalty, penalty kill is not much better. Their penalty kill last season was really good. This season, they're 14th in the league. And they're really lacking scoring depth. Kyle Palmieri, J.G. Pajot, both have a goal. That's unacceptable. These guys are getting paid millions and millions of dollars, and they're not contributing. Downers are averaging 2.07 goals per game, which is 31st in the league. I mean, that's not good. As you said it, this is the worst hockey we've seen the Islanders play under Barry Trotz. And it's not good. Yes, they had a 13-game road trip, and now they're home. But, I mean – it's, it's unexcusable. Six games, um, a six-game losing streak. I mean, I don't remember the last time the Islanders um, were struggling this bad. I personally don't think it's as bad as people are saying, yes, we're struggling right now, and it is a big issue how our, our struggling one to defend, which is our main uh, identity of this team, but we're all struggling to score goals. But this team, they've been through, through so much adversity. They've not had a set lineup yet for their team. In a com- they have not been comfortable yet. They've been on a 13-game road trip and have had, like, say, a week in between games. Then they came home and they found out that, like, almost half their half their roster was on COVID. They have not been able to settle into a season, which a hockey team needs to do. Now, they have a, three difficult games coming up, the Rangers, the Penguins, and then the Rangers again. Those are three very good teams in this division. But that's those are three games. One, those those teams hate each other. That's a those are games where the that can really ignite the Islanders, even if most of their roster is on cope is in COVID protocol or injured right now. The Islanders have lost six consecutive games in regulation by a score of more than three goals for the first time since 1972-73. That was the year that they entered the NHL. As fans, as journalists, as the NHL, 
a team on Long Island has not played this poorly for a very long time. Six games losing by this much. It hasn't happened under Barry Trotz, and it hasn't happened under any coach since 1972. It's very tough not to be concerned right now. And all the things that are positives, UBS Arena, the Islanders starting to get healthy, the team starting to return from their COVID-19 pandemic. By the time all these things happen, it might be too late. It'll be a long time before the Islanders establish home ice advantage at UBS Arena. They have to learn the boards. They have to learn the building. They have to learn their routine. They have to learn the fan base. And I think right now, looking at the Islanders, I have to agree with you, Jacob. I think the Islanders are in a little bit of trouble. And if they don't snap out of it soon, and I mean this weekend, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, you've got games against the Rangers, Penguins, Rangers, and Flyers. If they don't win a few of those, the season could be over before it even started. Yeah, I don't I don't love the memo that when we're on a road trip, when we come home, UBS Arena is going to save the Islanders season because honestly, it's not true. The Islanders aren't used to it. Barry Trotz in a media availability last week said it. He said it best. It's a neutral playing site. Both teams are coming in in their first game against Calgary. The Islanders and the um, Flames both had the same advantage. They both didn't know the bounces. The Islanders had one practice at UBS Arena and two games. They lost both games. Yes, it's great that they're home, but they have to win on the road. They have to be able to win at UBS Arena because UBS Arena will not save this team. And I don't like the memo that, yes, they're home, UBS Arena, this, this and that. It's just not the case. And it's been proven this weekend. Yes, it's been two games, but some of their guys, Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, Adam Pellick, these guys have not even played on home ice yet. And it's going to be too late. If the Islanders don't pick it up as early this weekend and they continue to drop, they're in last place in the Metropolitan Division. And that is so bad. As a team that's made it to the Final Four two years in a row, I don't think before the season that you would say 15 games in, the Islanders would be in last place. It's just something in the beginning of the season I wouldn't have expected. I think the Islanders would have came back after the road trip with a fully healthy team, obviously a little banged up here and there, at least a little bit over 500, but they're not. See, my my issue with that is that this team has always thrived off of playing at home. They've never, ever really been a away, uh, an away team. They, they play better at home historically, and they do not fare good on the road. The five and six and two record, I think us as a fan base and as journalists with the Islanders should accept. It's a it, it was a difficult task. No team has ever started out uh, a season thirteen games on a road. Now, yes, the the Vancouver Canucks did have a thirteen game road trip in the two thousand eleven season, but no team ever had to go through what the Islanders had to go through. But that being said, there's three games. I mean, we're not even in December yet. Like the next four games between the Rangers, the Penguins, the Rangers, and the Flyers. Yes, those are big games, but there's still a long season to go. And these teams, the teams that are starting out right now, the Rangers, the Penguins, the Caps, the Flyers, every team in the Metro division right now, except for the Hurricanes, are going to slow down. They are going to hit their rough spot. They are not, those teams are not elite teams. They're great teams. They're good teams, but they are going to struggle too. Right now, the Islanders are going through their hard patch in the season. It's better to get this out the way at the start of the season and then get catch fire later towards in the middle of the season and towards the end. As we have seen this before, as the Islanders have historically not started great under Barry Trotz. Now they've never started this bad, but they've always had a very good middle of the season that has always carried them to the playoffs. Those are great points, Jack. And I actually do like your sentiment. I think it's unfair to say the Islanders are done because they're not. 
you have to believe in this team. You've seen them have really tough stretches and always rebound. They've went on long winning streaks in both years that Barry Trotz has been head coach. In all three years that Barry Trotz has been head coach, the Islanders have put together a few winning streaks. And right now, the Islanders, I think, have a winning streak coming up. But here's the thing. If they don't, if for some reason the Islanders don't put together a few wins sometime in the next few months, the Islanders are not going to make the playoffs because they've dug themselves into such a big hole. So I think the Islanders, they need to play better. If you started off well and then you struggled, okay, fine. But if you start off badly, you need to play better. The Islanders can't keep playing like this. So I think it's fair to say, is the season over? No. But are the Islanders in trouble? Yes, they are. And I don't like the sentiment that the Islanders have been unlucky because I think that good teams overcome unlucky breaks. The Islanders, however, have been super, super, super unlucky. So you look at all the things they've been dealing with. Seven COVID-19 cases on their team currently. They had a 13-game road trip. They had to travel and then come home and then take off days and then travel again. And their goaltending has been average, their defense has been replaceable, and their offense needs more contribution. So all in all, yeah, the Islanders have been unlucky, but good teams overcome that. Two years ago, would the Islanders overcome some unlucky breaks? Yes. But you subtract Nick Letty and Jordan Eberle, you insert Kyle Palmieri and Zdeno Chara, is this team good enough to overcome just how unlucky they've been? I don't know the answer to that question, but hopefully for Islanders fans, they get a little bit of luck. They get some bounces on and off the ice, and maybe if they put together a streak, they'll be right back in this, but it's getting dire. If the Islanders lose the next four against the Rangers, Penguins, Rangers, and Flyers, you're going to start panicking. So right now, the Islanders have to start winning games. Hopefully, they start getting a little bit of luck, and if these things happen, they'll be okay. But they've dug themselves in such a hole now that they need to start playing better. Because if they take the next month off, they lose a few more games, they'll be looking at a 10-point hole come December. Yeah, I mean, they're ready in a 7-point hole. Um, yes, they've played the least amount of games in the Metropolitan with 15. But other teams have played 16, like the Flyers, the Blue Jackets. Um, but the Devils have played 16 too, and they're 7 points ahead of us. So, And they're the next team uh, ahead of us. So yeah, our goaltending has been average. And a main point is Semyon Varlamov. He does not look anything like he was last year. Yes, he was dealing with uh, an undisclosed injury, which kept him out the first couple of weeks of the season, but he's back now and he's 0-3. He has not won yet. And it's not the Varlamov that we saw last year, one of the best goalies in the league. And if I'm being honest with you, after those four, first three starts, I'm, I'm not overly confident in him. When Trotz has to go with a goalie, I don't like the alternating. Like, Tomorrow night against the Rangers, if the Islanders are playing, which it seems like that's going to be the case, it should be Sorokin. Sorokin has been playing pretty well. He's making those incredible saves, and he's an extremely athletic goaltender. He should be the number one goalie, um, and that's just what I think about it. But, yeah, our goaltending has been average with Sorokin and, Bar and, Sorokin and Varlamov. And last year, yeah, even if the Islanders are not scoring, the Islanders are averaging two goals a game, which is extremely hard for – Islanders goaltenders to only let up one or two goals. And Sorokin has three shutouts. Sorokin carried the Islanders through that first stretch of the um, that road trip. But when he couldn't continue that same pace with Varlamov out, when he had to play, I believe, nine straight games, it caught up to him a little bit. So, yeah, their goaltending has been um, 
not as good as we've seen in, in previous years. Um, and yeah, some struggling Islander players. Paul Mary has one goal. Pajot has one goal. Eberle on the Kraken, he has nine. It's a real, um, you know, the Islanders made some real questionable decisions this offseason, and it could come back to haunt them. Or, well, start off with the goalies. I'm not worried about Varlamov. I think, one, he's only played four games, and you cannot judge a goalie based off of four games. Yes, he has a save percentage of 894. That is less than ideal for an NHL goalie, even for even if he is the supposed backup of this team. I I would not discount this team, the goalies right now. They Yes, they've been less than average, but that also has to do with the team that's in front of them. Their defense has not been helping them out. And if you have been watching the Islanders play recently, their defense has been atrocious. The Their defensive structure, the layers that uh, MSG Brock has so much likes to talk about on air with how they have one forward, then two other forwards and two defensemen so that the so that the goalies have an easy shot to face uh, in the defensive zone. That has not been there. They have, the defense has been left out to drive countlessly. I mean, the goalie has been left, left out to drive countlessly in uh, so far in this season. And as for the, uh, for the players, Kyle Palmieri, and I want to focus mainly on Kyle Palmieri and Zach Parisi. Those two, we would like to see them record more points, but I don't think they're necessarily playing bad. In a team that's not designed to score, they're not really going to produce as much as we would like. Yes, Jordan Eberle, he's doing great right now for the cracking. I'm happy for him, but he's also playing in a system that's more favorable for offense than the Islanders. The Islanders are most the most defensive team in the NHL, no matter what the circumstances. And no forward will ever really produce as much as they could have on, say, another team than that they are on the Islanders. So I would the the fact that the Palmieri and Parise aren't scoring enough, I really wouldn't worry too much. Yes, do we should they score much? Should the Islanders want them to score based off what they're get earning for their contracts? Yes. But it's not something to really overly freak out about because we have seen this in the past where their depth scores haven't really done much in the in the regular season, but have but have stepped up on key times. Maybe not have gotten twenty or thirty goal seasons, but they get goals when it matters, and that's honestly what Preci and Palmieri here are for. Kyle Palmieri is making five million dollars per season. Jordan Everly is making $5.5 million per season. The Islanders chose Kyle Palmieri over Jordan Everly this offseason. They left Everly and Josh Bailey exposed in the expansion draft. Seattle took Everly. So I want to ask you guys this question. If you can go back in time, would you take Jordan Everly over Kyle Palmieri? Yeah, you know, if it was switched, right, and the Islanders had Everly and he was struggling early on now, and then Palmieri is with another team because – not necessarily it would have been the Kraken, and he was doing really well. I mean, it's a toss-up, right? Lou had to make a decision off a really strong playoff um, performance from Palmieri. He scored some crucial goals. He's one of the leading goal scorers in the playoffs. And everyone's like, yeah, this is when he got adjusted. And the regular season with the Islanders before the playoffs, when he got traded here, he wasn't the best. Um, but everyone said it was an adjusting time. But in the playoffs, he was really good. He was the Kyle Palmieri we all knew. So, yeah, honestly, in the offseason, I was one that was like, yeah, I want Palmieri back here. Um, and I was super excited when we re-signed him. Yeah, now he's struggling. He really is. He has one goal, and it was a big goal that he scored. But it was against the Florida Panthers when they were losing big time. So, yeah, it was a good goal for him to score. But he has one goal. He has a couple of uh, helpers as well. But other than that, he hasn't done much. And, again, it's early on in the season. But, yeah, 
I would probably, I mean, it, it's, it's a tough call to make, right? You could say in the beginning, if, if we knew this now, obviously, yeah, you'd go with Everly, but going off of the playoffs and when Lou had to make that kind of decision, yeah, I, honestly, I would have liked him to protect Bailey and Everly at the time and leave Martin and uh, Clutterbuck unprotected, but he chose not to. So I think Lou knew more than me, but um, that, that's at least what I think. Actually, I disagree with you. Uh, I think we should have still kept uh, Paul Mary over uh, Eberly. I think Eberly is – he's doing great right now in Seattle, and there's nothing to take away with that, but that he is doing that in their system, which is a completely different system to the defensive structure of the New York Islanders. No player has scored over 40 goals for the Islanders uh, since Barry Trotz has uh, taken, taken over this team. And that's no disrespect to how the uh, how the Islanders play. That's just how they are. That's what makes them good. But there, if the, if the roles were reversed between Eberle and Paul Mary, it could have been the same situation where Eberle may only have one goal, and it could have been a garbage goal. And Paul Mary ha- may have like double digit goals right now on another team. So there's no different. I think Lou made the right decision keeping Paul Mary over Eberle. Now, yes, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, but there's no definite like evidence and we'll never really know this that if the roles were reversed the uh that Everly would be lighting up the score sheets as he is doing right now for the crack for the kraken uh and as for like leaving uh clutterbuck and martin unprotected i disagree the islanders uh entire identity is based off of physicality and defensive structure and that's what those two bring if one of them are to leave who do you replace them with do you put oliver wallstrom in the uh in the in the in the fourth line because then he gets less points and less offensive opportunities do you put ross johnston down there because then i he doesn't really perform as well as i think clutterbuck or martin do and then you're just having a worse version of those two do you put Kiefer bellows down there he's not really fit for that you, it was smart for lou the lou Lamarum, the moves that he made this offseason yes they are looking not so great right now but they're gonna pay out over the long during Palmieri's struggles, we've seen him playing with a variety of players, including Matthew Barzell for part of the season. Matthew Barzell, now that the Islanders are dealing with all these absences, I feel like now is the time that you want to see Matthew Barzell be a star, play 20 minutes a night, and really show why many people believe he's one of the best players in hockey. Do you guys feel concerned about how Matthew Barzell has played this year? Do you think he needs to step up, and do you think Barry Trotz should give him more playing time? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and everybody knows it on the team. He is the fastest player um, and one of the fastest guys in the NHL. So when he has that puck, he's so good. Obviously, every here and there, he'll turn it over. But when they're in the offensive zone and they're buzzing, Barzell is always a part of that. So, yeah, Charles might not be playing him as much as he wants to be playing. He has eight points, um, four goals, four assists. Um, but defensively, we have not seen much from Barzell this year. Offensively, he's been all right. He's had a couple breakaway opportunities where he didn't score in some big moments, um, one of which was against the Devils. But again, no need to harp on the past. The past is the past. Barzal is obviously the Islanders, or if not one of the best players on the team. He might not score the most goals, and he hasn't been the scoring leader. Um, but the Islanders lost a big part of that, and now it's Brock Nelson. Brock Nelson led the team last year. He's leading the team this year with nine, and now he's out for, for two to four weeks. Now it's Barzal's time to step up. He needs to be the guy to score those goals. And yeah. His line mates have been changing it. That's not easy for him. He's a young player. Lee wasn't with him a lot of last year. Now Eberle's not with him. It's changing for him. And obviously it's an adjustment for him to make, 
through 15 games, eight points is, is not good enough for his caliber of play. Um, so, yeah, I would like to see a little bit more from him, but I would like to see more from the whole entire team. I would like to see more of Barzell as well. I think a player of his caliber should have more than eight points right now. Uh, but that's also not entirely his fault. I don't think he's been paired up with the best linemates. I do think he needs a skilled winger along his side to match his speed and quality. Uh, Everly was that, but he no longer has that. I would, when he eventually is no longer in COVID protocol, I would put Anthony, no, he's no, he's actually out of COVID protocol. I would put Anthony Beauvillier alongside him. I think he is good enough to play top line minutes. I think he's skilled enough. He's fast enough to go alongside uh, Matthew Barzell. And, when he's eventually also out of COVID protocol, I would like to see Anders Lee put up there. I don't think Oliver Walsham should yet be on the first line, but that will. But from that aside, I think putting Beauvillier up with Barzell will make will actually get him to produce more as he will have more of a skilled winger and fast winger along his side. Josh Bailey, Kiefer Bellows, Zdeno Chara, Ross Johnston, Andy Green, Anders Lee, Adam Pellick. All of those players are in COVID-19 protocol. Brock Nelson, on an unrelated note, is out two to four weeks with a lower body injury. And Ryan Pulak is out six weeks maximum, four weeks minimum, with a lower body injury himself. If you are the NHL, if you're Gary Bettman, and you see the Islanders with seven players who have COVID-19, the deadly pandemic that has paused the league, restarted it, and shifted operations would you allow the Islanders to play their games against the Rangers, Penguins, Rangers again, and Flyers coming up? Or would you give them a pause as they try to get healthy and combat the spread? If we were talking about this last week before their home opener, I would have said you got to let them play. This has been something that Islander fans have been waiting for for years. And to postpone the home opener and the game right afterwards, I mean, that's a little bit challenging. Luckily, they didn't do that. But now, yes, the Islanders should not be playing tomorrow. They should not be playing Friday. And they should not be playing on Sunday and then Tuesday. The Islanders are at a complete disadvantage right now. Seven of their guys have COVID. And yes, the two players with Polak and Nelson that are out, that's a different story. But for their captain and assistant captain and other huge pieces, Adam Pellick, all of those guys have COVID. And that's, that's to say some of the other guys on the team don't have it or won't be getting it. Honestly, the NHL is not doing... Um, their job here. And yes, they might not have 10 cases like the Ottawa Senators, but majority of their team is out. And you could see that they've lost two games without it. And they're at a complete disadvantage going against, you know, the New York Rangers have, who have started the season really well. And if the Islanders are going to be playing them tomorrow night, they're at a complete disadvantage. That's half of Bridgeport Islanders um, team right there. And yes, it's good that we get to see Robin Salo and some other guys make their debuts. And I've been surprised. I didn't think Robin Salo would be what he was. And He's looked really good, but the NHL is making a huge mistake here. The Islanders should not be playing, and it would be a good reset for the team and for the fans. Who Islanders are on a six-game losing streak. They need to snap out of it, and they're not going to be able to do that with half of their lineup out, especially their captain and assistant captain, one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Luckily, their goalies are COVID-free for now, but main pieces in front of them aren't, and the Islanders, and I'm sorry, the NHL is making a huge mistake by letting them continue to play. Uh, I agree, but for def- I want to go on like the health aspect, not really the competitive side, because health always comes first. The NHL is putting the entire league and season at risk. He is ha- if if the NHL and Gary Bettman allowed this game to be played 
against the Rangers on Wednesday, and the games played against uh, the Penguins, they're make they're they're at risk of probably having a huge delay. If it, we've already seen it with the Senators, have a bunch of people out, and they stopped that. They did a good. The NHL did a good job uh, telling the Senators to shut down, get their COVID cases under control. That's what they should be telling the Islanders because it only takes one person. Who knows that, you know, Elias Sorokin or Matthew Barzell haven't contracted. They just haven't tested positive for it yet. And not to mention that, not only is it risk for the other team, it's also risk for the fans in the building. It's a closed-in arena. That that The virus can spread inside the arena. That puts the fans at risk. And even if you do have the vaccine, which you should get, you can still catch the COVID-19 virus. And so can the other team. And we could call, have a huge, another big delay in the NHL season which nobody wants. It will hurt their viewership deal, uh, viewerships. It'll hurt, it'll hurt the league in general. It'll hurt, it'll, they already have a big pause in the middle of the season with uh, the Olympics coming up. They need to tell the Islanders to shut it down because they're playing uh, two, they're playing the uh, Rangers who will play another team, make it spread to the other team. They will have a big uh, disaster on our hands. The, uh, the NHL needs to tell the Islanders to shut it down right now. When you take all those things and you look at what the NHL strives for. They strive for, first and foremost, the safety of their players. They strive for a competitive, safe, fair league where no cheating and no competitive advantages take place. And they strive for equality on and off the ice. And right now, I think when you look at all the things that is happening with the Islanders, one, safety is in jeopardy. They're putting other teams at risk. I think that, two, the games aren't fair. Tomorrow is going to be the New York Rangers versus the Bridgeport Islanders. When they said that they were changing the name of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers to the Bridgeport Islanders, I didn't think this is what they meant. I thought that they would just be focusing on Bridgeport, but unfortunately we're literally seeing the Bridgeport Islanders being promoted day by day. Now we have almost 10 players in the lineup who are from Bridgeport. And all in all, it's not equal. It's not fair. Other teams have had outbreaks, and they've gotten their games postponed. I think it should be up to the team. I think Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo should be able to sit down with Gary Bettman and say, hey, we want this game canceled because we don't feel it's safe. Not because of winning, not because of losing, just because if the Islanders don't get healthy, one, more people are going to get sick. Two, these are symptomatic, asymptomatic cases. Who knows? What if one of these players contracts a illness aside from COVID? What if it leads to more side effects? What if they have difficulty breathing? And, of course, back to the competitive nature, I'd be really disappointed if the Islanders lose their next four games and they're 14 points out by December 1st of a playoff spot. That would be ridiculous. So I think all in all, the NHL, I'm not going to say they should be ashamed of themselves. I'm not going to say they're making a vast, crazy injustice, but... I think they're making the wrong decision for the safety and the competitive advantage. I do agree. I think the Islanders should have their games postponed at least through the week and preferably until Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, Jack said it best fans um, are a huge aspect to this game. And when players during warmups are throwing pucks over high-fiving fans and you know, it, it spreads through the air. Um, and the last thing you want is for these players that have young families on, um, families with young children it's not safe these guys are your locker rooms and for all you know one guy has it that doesn't know that did not test positive will go home has a really young son or daughter and we'll give it to them give it to their wives and 
I mean, yeah, they're at a competitive disadvantage and it's not, it's not safe for other teams, other players, other players, families, and even the fans as well. Yeah, I, th- I think for the betterment of the league and not just specifically for the Islanders, because we all want to see Islanders hockey played. It's entertainment because that's what it is first and foremost. But it's it's just safety comes first no matter what in life. And if the NHL values that and that's their number one goal and number one rule as a league, they should cancel these games. And while the Islanders wait to see if games are canceled or not, they have a fresh group of new faces that they are testing out on the ice. Some of those players include Robin Sallow, who was called up to replace Andy Green and Adam Pellick, who were contracting COVID-19 and are out for two weeks. We also have Richard Panic. We have Grant Hutton. We have Andy Andrioff. We have Anatoly Goloshev and Thomas Hickey, all up with the Islanders as the team battles their COVID-19 outbreak. Let's talk about some of these young kids. Who have you liked so far and who have you not liked? There's really nobody I, I dislike. Um, and one I really want to point out is, is Richard Panic. He has been one of the best Islanders since he got called up, and he deserves to stay in that lineup. And, yeah, it's going to be tough when the Islanders get healthy, but there are spots for him. He is better than Cal Clutterbuck, in my opinion. I think he would be a better fit on that fourth line. He'd bring way more offense. I think he'd be a better fit with Casey Zekas and Matt Martin's there. He'll create some chances, but he's mainly there to hit and um, – you know, get in their opponent's face. But yeah, I, honestly, I really love the way which Richard Panic played. I love the way Robin Salo played. And it's going to be a competition between Salo and Chara and even Dobson because Dobson hasn't been on his A game. But now with young guys, Dobson has been improving. So who knows? I mean, Barry Trotz has um, some tough decisions to make because we've not seen this kind of Dobson, this offensive Dobson that we saw a few nights ago when he's with these young guys. Yeah, maybe Zendano Char is slowing him down. Maybe that's why he's been struggling this season. But yeah, the Islanders have so much defensive depth, and that's such a good thing. And now it's a great opportunity for these young kids to prove who they are and why they deserve an opportunity. And the Islanders have a, a good problem once they're healthy, and that is who's in the lineup each and every night. See, I've been most impressed with Robin Sala because it was common knowledge around uh, the New York Islanders fan base and journalists who cover the Islanders that Robin Sala would not make the team this year because of lack of experience in, the, uh, in North America. The way I've seen him play so far this season has been incredible. He looks like, he looks like a, I wouldn't say a veteran, but he looks like he's been around the league a little bit. He, he looks amazing. I, I, I think it's a serious conversation to be held in a seriously, uh, seriously huge thought process that needs to go in. Should Sala really go back down to Bridgeport? Because I think he can help this team right now. He's great on the power play. He's been great in his own. And there's no been no aspect of his game that I've really been upset with. I think the he should stay in this uh, this lineup even after uh, Pellick and Pollock and Dobson and Chara. When they come back, I think he deserves. Uh, he has the right and deserves to be in this lineup moving forward for this team. Those are two very interesting points. Personally, I love Robin Sallow. I think that he plays a Devontae's, Nick Letty style of hockey that the Islanders so desperately need. They need a puck mover because Zdeno Char, we wish him the best. I hope he's healthy as he battles the COVID-19 disease himself. But at the end of the day, I think when he is returned and when he is healthy, I don't think he should be an everyday player. I think he's a great seventh defenseman at his age, but at 44, he cannot be playing every night. And I'd much rather see Robin Sallow in the lineup. He has shown to me that he is a top six 
NHL defenseman. He can play every single night. He can move the puck. He can man the power play. And hey, he can even pot a goal or net an assist every once in a while. I love Robin Sallow. I love what he brings to the team. And I think he just took it over this preseason. He said, I'm going to earn a spot. He didn't, but he kept playing hard in Bridgeport. And now here he is as the Islanders deal with this pandemic. So all in all, I love Robin Sallow. And I think that if Barry Trotz, for some reason, doesn't trust Robin Sallow and maybe doesn't love what he's seeing from Zdeno Chara, I think the Islanders could also explore the trade avenue, and maybe they'll make a trade this offseason, this season, excuse me, to address the needs that they have, which include scoring and include a puck-moving defenseman. Yeah, honestly, they have so much defensive depth. I don't think they need to make a trade for a defenseman yet. Um, Their main target should be offense. They need an offensive weapon. They need someone that can score goals. And a guy like Tarasenko, who was a big talk in the offseason. The Islanders need a weapon up front, and they don't have that. When someone asks, who is the best player on the Islanders? Some say Brock Nelson. Some say Matthew Barzell. But the Islanders don't have that one guy. Like, if you look at the Capitals, they have Alex Ovechkin. If you look at the Penguins, they have Sidney Crosby. The Islanders have not found that guy yet. And the Islanders need to find that guy. They've been trying to draft, and they, they have a really good team. And there's a reason they made it back to the Final Four two years in a row. But, yeah. It is time for them to make a new addition to this team. It is time for them to go out there and trade a couple of picks, even if that's a first and a prospect. It's time. The Islanders need to do something. They're not scoring the goals that need to be scored. They're 31st in the league for goals scored. Um, obviously, again, only 15 games in, but the Islanders have not been one of the best offensive teams, and they're a defensive team, but their defense has not been what it's been the past couple of years, and that's really why the Islanders are struggling. And, yeah, yeah. Honestly, they have some guys out. They have key pieces out. Adam Pellick is out. Ryan Pollock is now out. And maybe Robin Salo could step in for Ryan Pollock, play with Adam Pellick and see how that works. But yeah, I love that comparison, how Robin Salo is just like a Nicoletti. He is. He's really good on the power play, as Jack said. And I really like the way he plays. He's really good defensively. And there's also Sebastian Ajo. There's Grant Hutton. They Islanders have so many options and they'll be able to figure out one. Thomas Hickey is another one. So the Islanders have a bunch of options on the defensive end. It's really that offense where they really need an offensive weapon which i think it would um be pretty useful for them to give up a couple of picks if that's a first a second and even a prospect but it's worth it the islanders need to start scoring goals because their defense and goaltending will not be able to carry them all the way and hopefully we could be talking about another strong playoff push and a really strong offensive weapon can help them push them over that hump see i i don't think they should make any deals yet especially if they are in this position now if they uh if they are in come trade deadline i think they should look inward i think they should look at the players that they have i think they should look, they should figure out how to fix this with the with the roster that they have they do not need to trade for another defenseman when they have sebastian aho and robin salo who i think are better defensemen right now than the New York, than uh, Zendano Chara for the New York Islanders. I think for forwards, I, I would say strictly, we cannot trade uh, too many first round picks and prospects uh, uh, in the coming years. Because whether we like it or not, our 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 contending period will end eventually. And you know what? Maybe it could be this year, but we don't know. We do not know that yet. I don't want to put that out there, but. We, we have traded a lot of pieces and draft picks in the past few years in the pursuit of an uh, amazing depth for. We thought we had that with Pajot, who's 
He's been okay, but he's not really been worth the contract he's uh, been given. Palmieri, there's still time. Parisi, uh, we'll see. But I, I think that the Islanders, before they think about trading for anyone, one, they should see where they are in the, uh, in the standings by the time trade deadline becomes around. And they should really look inward first. If they, if Barry Trotz and Lemro think there's no one on this team, which I think is wrong, that can help us, then go after a player. But they should, they should look inwards to solve this problem. Yeah, Jack, the only thing I have with that is that the trade deadline, it might be too late when we reach that that deadline. I mean, the Islanders can't wait that long. Plus, other teams might not want to give up players. And Lou said today in his um, media availability that teams have called, but the Islanders, as you said, are not willing to give up what teams are asking. And, I mean, yeah, they have Pajot, they have Palmieri, they have Parisi, but those guys are are good. They're really good. But the Islanders are still missing that really, really great, great, great player. They have the good. They have the Brock Nelsons. They have the J.G. Pajos. They have the Kyle Palmieri's. But now they really need that one player to get them over the hump, to get them scoring again, and to give them a boost. But I don't think they need that player, though. They don't – They don't. the Islanders do not need a Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby or McKinnon. Their, their system works for what the players they have right now. And I guarantee you that if Matthew Barzell was on, say, a team like the Oilers or the Maple Leafs, a high-flying offense, a running gun style, he would be putting that just as much points as these other young guys around the league. But it's a fact of what the system works in. This system does not operate well with, with big offensive names. But that's okay because they've succeeded in the past without that. And we can only really – and, yes, we are going through a hard period right now, right now but we should not just abandon – the plan that has made this team great just to get a big offensive flashy name at the deadline that will cost us in the future. We don't even know if we have the cap space to fit that in who and who we'd have to give up to get uh, a say of Vladimir Tarasenko or another big name player. Yeah. I mean, something's not working yet. And again, yeah, it's early. There's still a long season to go only 15 games in, but something's not working. And I think a move has to be made, whether it's on the offensive side or the defensive side. And I think Lou has something up his sleeve. I don't think the Islanders um, and Komarov parted ways for, um, you know, just the part ways. I'm sure Lou has a reason. It, it clears cap. Same with that Boychuk deal. I'm sure there's people in mind that Lou's looking to bring over here. And I'm sure Trotz wants to bring someone else over here. Maybe it is someone on the defensive side. I don't think that is as much of a need right now. Or maybe it's someone like a Semyon Varlamov who the Islanders might be willing to give up. Or someone like that, a Cal Clutterbuck involved in a trade. Obviously, we don't know. Lou knows. But I think a move does have to be made. Um, the Islanders are struggling. And maybe it will give them a boost. And, yeah, that, that's just what I think. Okay, guys. So some great conversation there. And now I'm going to ask one final question here as we conclude Episode 10 of Believe in Islanders. Jacob. Jack, all things considered, will the Islanders make the playoffs this season? I truly believe they will. This team has struggled at different points. And, yeah, they're not a team to do particularly well to start a season. And a stat that was out there when they were six games in, when they were 3-2-1, and one, that was the best record through six games under Trot. So, yeah, they're not off to the best start. And I think they'll definitely pick it up. Yes, they've been a little bit unlucky with this COVID outbreak and this COVID situation with the league. 13 games on the road, and now this. It's not been an easy past couple of weeks for the Islanders. I mean, 
mentally it takes a toll on them. But once I start winning games, getting back into the rhythm, building some confidence in the locker room, and some of the guys that start to come back and play on home ice in front of the UBS Arena and Islander fans, I think I think it will turn it around. I don't think home ice advantage will be what the Islanders were last year at Nassau Coliseum. But I do think playing in front of the crowd that will give them a boost. And that, that's a word I, I use a lot in, the, in this podcast, in this episode, because that's what this team needs. This team needs to be re- re-energized. They had a really tiring 13 games. Now they had two games at home, two more at home before they go away and they come back home for a little bit. So yeah, I think this team will turn it around, but they have to do it quickly. And that starts this weekend. That starts tomorrow against their arch rival. And then they have, three other division games. So these are three big games and hopefully the Islanders can win at least three of the four and try and pick up points on all four. Cause you know, again, this is a really crucial stretch. You've seen it. Teams have missed the playoffs by a point, two points and each game, each game is critical. And yes, these games can come back to haunt them down the road, especially divisional games. And after Tuesday, we could be talking about a whole new Islander team. Islanders win four straight. They built something. So yeah, when it comes down to the end, um, late April, I think that's when the Islanders um, will hit their stride finally and make a deeper playoff run than they did last year. And the Islanders are a playoff team. You've seen that. They're not statistically the best in the regular season, but they always find a way, and I believe that they will. So I think they will definitely make the playoffs this year, um, regardless of their slow start, three games out of 500, and it starts tomorrow night to turn it around against the Rangers. I think they will make the playoffs. My Mets fandom side, my negative side, the one that I would say, oh, the world's falling down, that we should just completely abandon the team, sell the team, uh, trade everyone. I'm going to ignore that. I think this team will make the playoffs. This team has proved us wrong so many times in the past. There is no – until this team lets us down, there is no reason to not uh, – believe in this team and i don't want to hear about game seven against the lightning that team was way better than us whether we'd like to admit it or not there's no shame in losing to that team but anyway this team will make the playoffs they will get healthy they will get all they will get their uh players in COVID protocol back they will get Pollock and nelson back they will be fine they will make the playoffs until do not say it's over until it's over because this team constantly constantly proves everyone wrong and 2019 Everyone suspected them to be absolutely awful. They said, like, eh, maybe in three or four years there could be something. No, they they were in the they made the playoffs and swept the Penguins uh, that year as soon as Barry Trotz came in there. Do not discount this team at all. They will make the playoffs and they will have another deep playoff run. Will they win the Stanley Cup? Who knows? We will we'll have to wait till then. But I believe this team will be in the playoffs come springtime. Well, you heard it here first, everyone. We've got some positivity right here on Believe in Islanders, and I am going to add to that. I think the Islanders will be dancing come playoff time. I think they will make the postseason. However, if they don't get out of this hole fast, I don't know if I will be able to continue saying that. But as it currently stands, the Islanders still have a chance. I think they will get healthy. They will establish home ice, and they will be a wild card team. So, guys, thank you so, so much for joining me here today. You can see all the great work Jacob and Jack do by heading over to driveforfive.blog. That is drive, the number four, F-I-V-E. Again, that is drive, the number four, F-I-V-E dot blog. Guys, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on here. I just want to say one last thing. 
to all the Islander fans out there, this season's not over. So I don't want all the fans out there that are worried to be worried yet. There's a long way to go. There's a long season ahead of us. So Islander fans stay positive and always believe that that's one thing I always, um, you know, go by. And as Jack said, until it's over, it's not over. So keep sticking with this team. Always believe. And let's go Islanders. Thanks, David. Uh, thanks, David. I don't have that as much of a motiv- motivational speech as Jacob has, but I will say this. Just believe in this team and let's go Islanders. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.